90 minutes after 9. You're still listening to the City Breakfast Show live on your dial 97.3 FM. So this is what have we done. We've done men's gold people, savings and loans, we've done EDC. But now it's it's um it's time to talk about you, your career. So I've been joined by someone who knows his stuff. I'll be speaking to Doreen Baffo. She's a John Maxwell certified trainer, speaker, and coach. And we'll be learning some massive things. Doreen, good morning. Good morning, Nathan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. It's a delight to be back. <laughs> yes, it's great. One year yeah. on. One year yes, on. Yes, 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 yes. Last yes. year around this time, we're having conversations about developing our careers, getting better, and becoming better people. And I've become a better person, I'm uh, sure. That's great, <laughs> that's great to hear. It's interesting to know it's the same day one year. Yeah, yeah 16th January. Wow. We it's, should celebrate. Yeah, we should. We yes. should. It's, it's, it's lined up brilliantly. So, we are talking about personal career planning. Yes. What is it all about and what are the areas in which we'll be veering into this morning? So, this morning, we first, we're going to talk about what that really means. Okay. Because it, just, it sounds really big, personal financial, sorry, personal career yeah, planning. Plan, I was yeah. listening to Paul, so financial planning. <laughs> it's good. Money yeah. is a good thing. Yeah. So, personal career planning, what, what is it? Who is responsible for it? And what are the tips I have learned doing this by myself? So, we're not going to be very, we're not going to be theoretical at okay, all. Okay. We just, okay. I'm just going to share from my experience and then you identify ways that you can use that to plan your career as well okay. so that you don't just move from one job to the other and it becomes a series of jobs that make no sense okay. to you in the end. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so, so let's, let's start. Let's, what do we mean when we say personal career planning? Okay. So, personal career planning, it's determining what you do well. Okay. And what you enjoy. Determining what you do well. Yes. And what and you enjoy. enjoy. Okay. So you can do something well but not enjoy it. Okay. So determining what you do well and enjoy and matching that to the series of jobs you will hold in your in your in your lifetime. Okay. So first there's some work on you because it's it's determining something. What you do well and enjoy. And then matching that to the series of jobs you will hold. Okay, that's 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 very interesting because in the world of like you're saying, if you don't enjoy what you do, you will not be good at it. You won't give your best, and clearly you won't do one thing or you work at one place for for all eternity or for all your life. You you switch jobs as you go along. So, what are the things we need to think about? Or I don't know what kind of pointers you have, but you know. So Nathan, the first thing I want to talk about is why it is important. Okay. The why. The why. Okay. Why should you plan your career? Okay. The reasons are very simple. We spend the bulk of our time in our lifetime at work. Okay. Um, you wake up and the first thing you think about after your usual morning routine is to dash to work. And you're going to be in that space for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, if you're going to be spending the bulk of your lifetime in a particular space, then you might as well commit to finding out how you can do it well or what you do well at okay. and how you can enjoy that space. Okay. I also want to speak about who is responsible for planning your career. Okay. The truth is that the employer has a responsibility, but as an individual, it, you have a critical role to play in your career planning. Okay. So today we're going to be focusing on the role that the individual plays. But instead of going through a theory or the Facebook um, steps or I'm just going to share how I have gone through mm, it mm, in mm, my career. Mm, and then people can pick pointers and ask questions from that as okay. well. Does that work for us? Yeah, I think, I think it makes absolute sense. So the first thing for me is to flourish where you're planted. Okay. Nathan, I can't say this enough. Flourish where you're planted. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely important. Because 
apart from a few people I've met in my life who can say that um, from an early age they wanted to be doctors and wanted to be um, in a particular profession, maybe because their parent was in it, a number of us walk into the work field and show what we want to do. As a child, I wanted to be a teacher. Okay. And that's because my mom and my dad were teachers. But that's all I knew. It took experience working to really, really hone down and, and scope it to what it meant okay. for me or what my skills were. So flourish where you're planted means find out the skills that okay. it's required to succeed in the role that you currently hold. What is the organization about? So essentially recession and putting yourself into that space where you're doing well in your current space. Okay. So it's not just, typically you get people speak about how they, they don't like what they do, so they're not excelling. The truth is that you're, where you find yourself holds the key to other doors that can be opened for you. Because there, there are networks that you can build there. Mm. There's your leader whom you work with who can give you feedback on what you do well or what you're not so great at. And that person also can, if the person has a skill to coach, can help you define what your limiting beliefs are. Okay. So it's important to put yourself into the space that you are. Flourish where you're planted. Okay. Because experience is critical in your career planning. Uh, take a young man who says he wanted to be a photographer. But then after experiencing different aspects of photography, he came out to say, okay, yes, I'm going to be a photographer, but I want to specialize in forensic photography. If you don't immense yourself and gather the experience from place to place, for a number of people, it's hard to say, this is what really I want to do. So, so flourish where you're planting. So, so it's about going through different experiences and you eventually find what works for you, what syncs with you. And, and, but that and every that. experience is a learning place. Okay. So you're not just passing through. You're, you're deliberate whatever role comes to you, you actually invest in making it work. It's critical. So asking basic questions like, what are the skills required to do well in this role? Who are these organizations' customers? How do I service them? What is it? What does it require to succeed? Mm-hmm. If your organization is one that has trans, uh, transitioned from giving, from those um, one-year performance reviews to the agile feedback, where you're getting feedback every now and then, you get that almost instantaneously from time to time. But if it's even six months or one year, take that feedback as a gift and look at those areas that people, how people are experiencing you so that that also becomes a pointer. Okay. So that's just the first one. Flourish where you're planted. Flourish where you're planted. Okay. And for me, the various places I have worked have been a blessing for me. All right. I've moved from one role to the other in different organizations. But with each organization, I walked in with that mentality that I wanted to do well in this role. Okay. So to do well, I needed to know what was expected in that role, what it was expected, uh, what I needed to gain to grow, mm. what skills I needed to gather. Okay. So after going through all of that, it's helped define what my strengths are for me. So now I can speak to what, is, what areas that I want, I look out for in a great job or what I consider my strengths. Okay. But that's taking some work. So the second point would be, really take time to do the work okay take time to do the work yeah. okay so by taking time to do the work i mean take time just like organizations take time off to determine um what their strategy is who the customers they want to service um where they want to position how they want to position themselves what conversations they want to have with their customers as an individual planning your career you actually need to take time to do that the kind of work i'm talking about is finding out what your strengths are by strength, I'm going to just borrow from the book, The Strength Finder, and say, for okay. me, strengths would be your talents, which are your natural inclinations, your skills, those things that you've learned to do all over a period, 
and then the knowledge, things that you know. So those three would be your strengths. Okay, talent, skill, knowledge. Yes. Okay. So natural inclinations help, but skills over a period, you also acquire certain skills. And then you know particular things. So those are your strengths. Sitting down to do the work, there are a lot of tools you can use. Um, there are free ones online, via me.com. There's um, there are a few personal ones you can get which are free. But take time to do that. But then also ask for feedback from people around you. Okay. How people have experienced you. Okay. So another free tool I can recommend, it's um, the personal branding tool from William Aruda. If you Google that, you find it. It's, I think it's on reachcc.com. Okay. But there's a free version. There's a paid version that you get a report, but there's a free version as well. That report allows you collate information from people who've experienced you six months and above to say, how have you experienced me? What are those things that I do well? Now, once you gather that, after you've done your bit of it and you've asked for feedback from others, it's important to sit back and act connected to stories. So those trends that you've gathered from yourself mm. and from others, how have you lived it in the various experiences you found yourself? Now, I'll tell you why that is important. In selling yourself on another role in any interview scenario or even negotiating your current role for the next role that you want, next job you want to move yeah. into with it, within that organization, you can say how you've use that skill or strength to deliver something that so to produce particular results and stories help so there's another free exercise online um seven stories so if you google that you find you find that as well where you sit reflect and say what are those scenarios where i've applied my strengths i've done well and mm. well is defined by you and okay. i've enjoyed it okay so you go through that and pick seven stories and those stories just help you connect how you've used your strength to deliver okay. uh results in any setting that you find yourself okay. so it's important that you take time to do the work okay so first you flourish where you're planted and then you take time to do the work Absolutely. okay what was what's the third step in the process so the third step i'd like to share is to share your interest right. so during those conversations you have at work and in your networks tell people what you're interested in for me the moment i figured that so i'm still i still teach <laughs> but now i how I define what I do is very different from I'm a teacher. For me, teaching when I was growing up meant standing in front of a blackboard yeah, with chalk and a wooden ruler. You know, I'm sure you experienced <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. But for me now, somewhere in 2003, I first came into contact with who an organizational development practitioner was. And I observed him do his work. He became, he's still one of my favorite mentors to date. I observed him do his work and that curiosity just got me to ask him, tell me a bit more about what you do because I think this is what I want to do. And he was generous enough to share, give me pointers, things I could read. And so I, I got very curious and immersed myself into it. And I started telling people at work, this is what I want to do. Okay. When I experienced coaching for the first time, leadership coaching, another environment that I was working, a new door opened totally to me, something I wasn't expecting. And I kind of figured this is what I wanted okay. to do. But when I moved from where I learned about organizational development into another job, I quickly went to the head of learning and development and I said, I'm great at doing this. I'm great at facilitating training sessions. If you ever require anybody to assist you in your space, reach out to me. But I wasn't in learning and development. Then I was a branch manager. Okay. So when an opportunity came for them and they needed extra hands, they called on me. And because it was something I was interested in, it, I did it yeah, with it all was, my yeah, heart. And that has followed me. For the next role I moved into, I, went, I did the same. I went to the one responsible for learning and development. And I said, here I am. If you ever need help, call out. 
So although I don't work in that space, everybody in the organization can speak to the father. This is Doreen's interest, okay. and this is what um, this is. This is an area she she okay. would fit in. So I can be playing a different role, but I have shared that interest so that any time an opportunity comes up, and people are looking for someone to deliver in that space, or even if I applied for a role in that space, I can speak to have demonstrated usage of that strength okay. or that skill over a period. So it's important that you share. I know there are people, I've encountered people in organizations who say, I'm working in marketing, I'm interested in finance. If I share, leadership will think I'm not committed in my space. Uh-huh. But if you do the first one, which says flourish where you're planted, not only are you doing well in your space, but people will begin to say, if you did well here, then you can, can bring... probably do well Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So share that interest is critical. Uh, for me in the process okay and what's so what's what's the next one so for those of you a lot of times people ask me i don't enjoy what i do ah Uh, yes and but i and i i really want to move on have a transition plan but when you when you have that transition plan as and determine after you've determined your strengths um part of your transition plan will also be determining what your interests are from the different roles you've held you probably have found out that you do well in particular settings. Maybe your strength is, let's say, coding, for instance. But you don't want to work in a hospital. Mm. Uh-huh. You want to you want to work in a particular space. So experience would have taught you what your your strengths are. But you'd also have figured what your interests are. Match that with your goals, your career goals, as in what organization, what uh, what do you want out of a job? Okay. But also match it with the kind of organization that you're looking for. So this is called the, I think it's called the fit factors, something like that in a book by Brad Prague, I think. I can share that with you later for you okay. to share with listeners. Yeah. But it's called the fit factors. Those four areas should form part of your transition plan. As in, what are my strengths? Mm-hmm. What are my career goals? Okay. What are my interests? And what organizations do I want to work? What should an organization that I want to work in have? I've also met people who say to me, you know, this is Ghana. It's hard to find <laughs> jobs anyway. Yes. So why yeah. do you have this? The thing is that whether you plan or not, you would, you, you will work. So it's, it's for me, if I will work and as I, I will work from one road to the other, it's important that I know what I do well and what I enjoy. And yes, I have seen people turn down jobs because this is not. Uh, yes, 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 yes. This yes, is not, this doesn't happens. fit. It's, they don't have, there's no fit. But in the current, you can always start where you are. And that it takes back, us back to our first step to say, Flourish where you're planted. Flourish where we are planted. So that you do the work there and then use that to point to where you want to go to. How, you know, you, 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 I, let's just stay a bit on flourishing where you're planted. Because for a lot of people, it's this, the, the area before that, that's the struggle. Because maybe like you're saying their skills or what they know probably doesn't match the environment some people are even struggling to figure out what they like what they don't like what kind of skills they have for such people what what should they do one to even find their interests their skills and then they can start to take these these steps in flourishing taking time to do their work how do people come across what they like because some people may be good at some things but they actually may not know or nobody has actually told them that so back to the second point yeah so taking time to do that so the one of the exercises i love is a seven stories exercise mm. because then you actually sit down to look at to think and reflect about 
times when you've done something that you felt proud of and then ask yourself what are the skills what did i do okay and what is it that i excelled at what was it that made me proud and why is it important to me so you find that out but also feedback mm. so a lot of times people commend you at work for particular things say oh nathan thank you i mean we knew you would do well speaking is your thing or we need something comes up immediately we need somebody to speak um call nathan he's great at this so you begin to pick that from people around you but ask if you're not getting it to say i'm embarking on a journey and that personal branding tool i suggested is a good way to do that you actually write a small note on it to say i'm on i'm embarking on a journey to find out a lot about me and I identified you as one of those people who can give me feedback about what I do well. Can you share, um, can you give me 15 minutes of your time? It's actually like 10 or 7 minutes to tell me about me. So now you pick the insights you get from mm, people mm, mm. and it's free. It's okay. online. You pick the insights you get from people and then begin to connect that with scenarios okay. in your different scenarios, in your different work or personal life where you've actually lived that and what the results were. Okay. So the most important thing though is that you have to do the work yeah that is important i, I think really it's, a, do it's a very very important work. people yeah. need to to take that time to do the work to to, to do the work themselves um kofi ramos has sent us a question it says please ask a resource person on how to handle imposter syndrome imposter syndrome wow what, what's that in the first place doreen <laughs> it sounds <laughs> so my answer <laughs> is that feeling and I, I hope I get this right, but I think it's that feeling where although you're doing well, something keeps telling you that um, this, so that that voice in your, that, and I hope I'm correct. If I remember, I think that's <laughs> it. But we can quickly find out on the yeah. phone or Google it. But if it's that feeling that the voices in your head that keep telling you that this is not, you, this is not, you could have been, or there's somebody who can do it well. For me, those voices don't go away. And I'll share a story. Somebody shared her story with us in one of the classes I went, and she said that um, as a child, she had had different things that had made her believe that um, she's not good enough or that people wouldn't stay with her. And it comes from her parents' um, life and experiences mm -hmm. she went through as a child. And she carried that with her. So although she was doing well at work, every now and then, if she slipped a bit, that voice in her head came back to say, but I told you, Amma, you're not good at this. And so it, she believed those voices in her head. And at a point, one of her leaders at work said to her, you know, you need to see somebody, you need to see a professional um, so that somebody has that chat with you because this is not right. So she said when she went to see that professional and after several sessions, uh, the professional said, asked her, so typically if you're driving, where are those, and you hear those voices, mm -hmm. where do you envisage they are sitting? Are they sitting next to you or behind you? in the car and she said actually i think they're like my front passengers <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and they are pointing out fear is there um all of doubt um, okay. all of that is there and i can hear them loud and clear and she said it's your life and it's your right the next time you hear those voices you have i'm going to ask you to get down open the front door and instruct those voices to go to the back yeah, seat okay. because this is your car your life you know and she said she, she kind of just smiled like, oh, right. kind of like <laughs> but she said on her way to the from the psychologist in the car the voices came again and she just decided you know what she got down <laughs> yeah, and she opened the door out from the front seat the back seat because this is my car my life and i'm the driver you know so she shared that story to say it's not like the voices go away but it's it's knowing you have to stand up to them, to them. yeah and each time the more you stand up to them the less and less 
louder they are to okay. you because you're giving them, you're not feeding them, you're starving them until a point where they are not as loud as they are. Okay. But for me, the takeaway from that story is that the voices don't leave us, but how we manage them over the period. At, at, at the very start of your presentation, you, you talked about you know growing in that professional space and whose job it was. Let's talk a bit about the people who supervise us at work or the people who employ us, our employees and all of that. How critical are they in this uh, on this journey of personal career planning because there are different kinds of supervisors different kinds of of bosses they see the skills talents the knowledge that their subordinates have so what important things can they do to help people grow because the workspace of course you are supposed to deliver but it's also a place where some people find themselves it's a place of personal growth and development so what can employers do to ensure that they are getting the best out of their subordinates but also putting them on the right path to proper self-actualization proper self-development so they even become better human beings and better employees uh, that's a fantastic question so let's use a story yeah so let's say you bake you have a bakery and you you, uh, you employ somebody mm -hmm. to come work with you. Yeah. For you as an employer, how can you help the person do well on their job and enjoy it? Yeah. So the first thing for me would be to provide the tools right from the onset that gets the person to find out, to do well on their job, but okay. also find out who they are, for instance, and what they enjoy doing. But they, they need to, you need to provide those tools. You can't have me come in to say, uh, to bake, but they are, there's nothing that I can use to work. So providing the right tools, critical for supervisors. But after those tools have been provided, guiding people to where they are so they can actually use them. So guiding, being that guide for them on that journey is critical. Okay. It's also important that as employers, we teach our managers the art and skill of coaching so that they can have conversations that make people, f that bring out the best in people more than... Um, you know, we live in a very power distant um, culture <laughs> yeah. where it's, I tell you what to do. So employers also need to groom their leaders to be able to, one, not feel, to handhold and support, but also help them with questions or scenarios for to try different things. So really, really important that as an employer or as a supervisor, one, you provide the tools, two, you guide, and three, you coach that person so that they can do well on their jobs. Okay. Uh, some people are listening. Uh, send us your thoughts. 0549-986-996. Uh, Jones is asking, please ask your resource person, how long should you stay in one particular job? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if I can pe be prescriptive about this. Mm. For me, um, and this for me has been very, it wasn't planned, but somehow over the period of my career, four has been the magic number for mm. me. Okay. Um, so, somehow... I position myself, I take any role and I say, I find that the problem I'm coming to solve in this role. And by the time I took my third job, I could boldly say to my colleagues when I joined, I said, in four years, I would have solved whatever problem. I, I, was, in, I was employed and I would, I would want to do something, either within the same organization or outside oh, the organization. Um, but I was at a program not too long ago and somebody said I was sharing a concept on meaningful work. And it was in a, in a church scenario. Mm, okay. And somebody shared a very critical insight with me. And he said, the model that you're sharing, it's modeled after the life of Christ. He didn't, he, his ministry was three years. Yeah. And after that, he left. But 2,000 years on, his legacy lives on. Mm -hmm. So it, I guess for that person, what that, that scenario taught me that day was in a, one space, you probably will not be able to solve every problem there is. 
but you want to work so well that you leave a great legacy okay. wherever you, uh, you've been. Okay. So I can't be prescriptive about it, but I think that first find the problem that it is that you've been there, to, you came there to solve okay. and be so great at it that you leave a legacy in such a way they can invite you back okay. to that space as a resource person. Let's just stay with that. So what if the problem is, is complex? You are trying your hardest to solve that problem. You solve it in bits. But then there are bigger complications. At a point, should you say, you know what, I've given this problem my all, I'm moving on. Or you should stick at it until you make a major breakthrough. That ensures your legacy, like you're saying. So again, I don't. I wonder if I can be prescriptive about <laughs> this one. <laughs> I would, and if I relate it back to my experience, it's, it's, it's a case of eating an elephant in small bits. Okay. It also guides even how you recruit people onto the team and how you, how you, how you you leverage on your emotional intelligence so if the the problem is so big enough that i can solve on my own um uh, her, the gracious joyce i said she said it's intelligent people who know how to ask for help so engaging stakeholders so that people support in that space and you kill the problem one bit after the other so in my sp- in my experience what i've done is to solve the problems there, that I, I, I was employed to do, give it my all. But when that time comes for an, a more exciting um, adrenaline <laughs> thrill, I jump at it, whether it's within the same organization or outside the organization. Okay. So. All right. Uh, Christiana Meko from Temakbun says, please ask your resource person, how do you know you are planted at a particular place and there you will flourish? It's a fantastic question. You walked there. <laughs> you negotiated for it. Okay. You were, and I, I say to people, so long as I take salary from that space, I will do the work that is required in that space. You are mandated. To, once you are yes. drawing a paycheck, you are mandated. Yes, 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 to, to yes. So I, I have a personal part um, with my maker. I say that I have committed that how I work for any employer is how I want the people who work for me in my own job to work. So I'm giving of myself just the way I would wish that somebody else would do for me. So the moment I negotiate to be in a space, I would do my very best. So where I am planted is where I have been to, where I am. It's where I take the paycheck. For me, that's where I'm planted. And I would do my very best in that space. There's something I share with with the guys on on my desk. I tell them that you have to respect your salary. Absolutely. (laughs) Because if you respect the salary, you work hard for it. See, it's your knowledge. It's your effort. It's it's you. It's your work. So you've earned it and you've planted there. And you walked there. (laughs) You you took that choice. Um, This one says, Richmond in Tema says, please ask your resource person, how can one keep up the motivation at a uh, at a workplace and while working with a boss who's unable to give feedback and guidance. Mm, mm. That's, that's a real scenario. Yes. For me, it's important that we also realize that bosses are human beings as well. Bosses are also on a personal journey for themselves. Okay. Um, so if we realize that and for one who is not able to give, we go ask. It means we also as individuals have to perfect our skill of asking insightful or curious questions. So, um, Nathan, I observed that when I did X, Y, Z, your body language changed. Or uh, thank you for, for smiling when I, or thank you for the show of encouragement on your face. What is it that I did well that made you excited? So it's also okay for you to elicit that response from your boss okay. if it's not if he's grown up in an environment where 
for him you do not give feedback because i've heard people say when you tell people what they're doing well they become complacent and but because if you think of their background that's how it's been well, it's been well. for them and for them that's become their their truth their reality and that they've managed to live up until now believing that so they don't know how to give that it's okay to ask for it, okay. but it's okay to have a transition plan if it's such a toxic environment. Okay, lots, looks like lots of people are talking about bosses, supervisors, because I feel that in the workspace sometimes it's that kind of boss super um, supervisor subordinate relationship that that's always you know leaving people a bit perplexed. Uh, good morning. How do you handle a boss who always? Oh, threatens to Ooh. beat you and uses foul language on employees. That's Kofi from Spintex. I think that was the toxic thing you yeah. just mentioned. But one who threat one anybody who threatens to beat you in a contractual space is mm. actually falling foul of the law. And he can't. Nobody can do that. So my question would be: Is there another person this person can report to in the workspace? But also, um, because this this really is a grievance that the person needs to speak yeah. about. Bosses are not allowed to to use foul language or to threaten to beat people, so that's 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 a toxic environment that requires addressing. Is there is there are there ways in that organization okay. where you can you can seek um, can seek help when you're 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 being threatened threatened or, or being or you uh, foul language is being used on you. I would say the person should seek that quickly. Okay. Should air the grievance, yeah. speak about it, so that this is dealt with. Okay. Kofi from Spinter, he sent the other, he sent the earlier message. I think there's a follow-up. Says, how do you handle a boss who thinks your opinion does not matter? Oh wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the same person who sent. Yes, the first the, one. Uh, about you know toxic situation, yeah. getting threatened and, and all. Clearly, that. something is happening in that space. Um, but a boss who thinks your opinion doesn't matter. Wow. It's um, it's a very tough. It sounds like such a it, it's such a um an interesting space, tyrannical very, yeah, yeah, space to be in. Um, for me, I have never. I like the quote that says that you're not a tree. Move if you're unhappy. But it's not the boss is not the only stakeholder in that space. Mm-hmm. Are there colleagues and can they come together to to share one opinion so that it's not individual? Are there ways to work around that boss? Because clearly the boss needs to be managed in this case. Yeah. So they have to be the ones managing the boss. So up until the period where they decide that I'm out of the space, is there a way they can come together and present more like a corporate or a collective opinion okay. instead of each of them facing that person on their own? Okay. It's what I can think of right now. But I'm sure that if they, if they, if they, as much as Google managing your boss, there's actually an entire book about that. <laughs> <laughs> managing your boss, interesting. Yeah, so. Winfred sends us a message. I don't know if it's a he or she. He says, you have identified your skills, but don't know how to get the best of yourself. How do you go around that? You've identified the things you can do, the things you are blessed with, your skills, your talent, but you're still struggling to get the best out, out of yourself. So back to the fixed factors exercise. And mm. the fixed factors, there are four, four areas to talk about. By the way, the fixed practice is not my idea. It's a book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, first you've identified your strengths, so your skills, your talents, and mm-hmm. what you know. But you need to identify your interest. What do you like to use those things? Okay. So what? So I, there's that marriage. You, yes, you, you can't decouple to, yes, the two. You need to find those four. And that's why the okay. book is called The, uh, the Fixed Practice, because okay. there was an entire research that said that you found people 
who know what they want to do and know how they and know what they do well mm. but they are still unhappy and are looking for places to move to okay. what is it so they identified those four areas and they said that there needs to be a connect between those four areas so your strengths your natural inclinations your skills things you know but also your interest so for instance i'm very passionate about working with emerging leaders for somebody is working with children okay for another person is working in an environment where they care for others okay so it's important also that you find that and then what organizations have those what you're looking for in an employer okay so is there maybe you've experienced coffee scenario where uh leaders are able to see anything and do anything importantly you know that you don't want to go into a space where you're not able to air your opinions give feedback to your immediate supervisor mm. so you're mm. looking for that in an organization but also to find what are your goals what do i want to be earning um how do i what kind of benefits am i looking for okay. i know people now who are negotiating not to work on particular days ah. i know people who are negotiating to come in particular hours and leave particular hours because more than ever people want that balance between their life and work because yeah. there's really no two it's not there's no duality it's just us our life so it's having a fit between those four areas and i would say to the uh, to winfred or winifred i'm not sure if it was winfred or winifred but i'll say to him or her that go through that exercise but ask feedback from people but one exercise you can really focus on is that seven stories exercise okay. it's a powerful exercise to go through okay let's go to a few more questions frank and someone is asking as a sales professional how long should it take you to settle in a new job i don't know if it's if we can limit it to only the sales people maybe we can expand it a bit and talk about settling into a new job how long should it take you to do it people are very different plus the ignite the context also differs um maybe there's a reason why in the labor laws you have that six months and um for probation uh, for your probation where you learn to do things and figure out the organization okay. but there are people who maybe they have previous experience so if you're a salesperson and you've sold in a similar context before you probably will settle in faster than somebody who is new to this so it really differs on the person and the context okay so have you done this before um if you haven't done this before i strongly advocate that you work with a mentor um and your mentor can be somebody from your previous organization to say hey Nathan I'm going into a role where I'm required to be speaking making presentations can you outline nine areas I need to focus on is it okay if on a monthly basis we have a chat on how well I've done in this one area and then you can guide me on the second area okay. so it really differs from individual to individual and context is important I I like the point you make about about mentorship a lot of the times people will send you messages they meet you I want you to guide me I want you to mentor me but they are not ready and willing to put in the hard work the hard work of learning making mistakes learning growing becoming better how do you let people see that it is a lot of hard work but but again how do you let them know that it is a journey they need to enjoy going on if they want to get to the end and be like you or bit better than you in the end are you asking from the mentor's perspective yeah i'm asking for from the mentor's perspective for example so so let's say from your experience of coaching people how do you get get them to know that there is hard work to be done in terms of knowing yourself finding your skill growing but how do you let them know that it is a journey worth taking and it's something they have to do so i'm i'm going to separate coaching from mentoring yeah, okay. now because mentoring for for you for instance um in this space if one who you would want to mentor would be somebody to do what you're doing okay, and okay. probably better. Yeah. Coaching has a whole different approach. Okay, so okay. I do, I probably will not be doing what you're doing but I can walk you through. Okay. I can use the yeah. principles to walk you through. So if I'm let's say in my current job, I take on a new role as a salesperson. Um and maybe this time I, in my previous role I was selling to um retail customers. 
Now I take on a, a role to sell to business mm. customers. I go to the, but I'm leaving the organization. I'm even within the same organization. Okay. I identify somebody who is doing it well and walk to the person and say, hey, I've just taken on this new role and I'll be selling in this an area you're excelling in. Will you be kind enough to outline um, seven to nine areas that I should focus on to do well in this role? The person will do that for you. If, and then you, if the person doesn't do that and you identify, if you, thanks for, to the internet, you identify those nine or seven areas okay. that a business-to-business -business salesperson needs to excel in. Okay. And you say to the person, is it okay to commit an hour on a monthly basis? Because the people you go to for, to, uh, for mentoring, a lot of people also go to them for the yeah. same thing. So is it okay if we met on a month-to-month -month basis to discuss this area? Tell me what I need to look out for. The whole idea of a mentor is so that I don't fall in the same... Yeah. I, I learned from your experience yeah. to do well in what the spaces I'm going into. If you book an hour, because mentors have their life as well and they are busy, if the mentor is gracious enough to give you an hour and gives you 7 to 8 and you come at 7.30, that for me is an indication that this is not a relationship that we are going to uh, uh, carry <laughs> yeah. through. Maybe I am also kind enough to say that I would allow this person another month. The next month the person calls to cancel, I will end the mentoring relationship. Okay. So, from a mentor perspective, we need to set the expectations clear. But from the mentee perspective, you need to... For, when your mentor fires you the first time, you actually now... You either set up or <laughs> you know that <laughs> you're, on, you're doing this on your own. Okay. So mentors are not, are not there to say, oh, no, to, to be very permissive. And, oh, you, this, you, you can do it. Mentors are there to guide you on the straight and narrow. So I've had scenarios where you fire a mentee because the person, it's not, the person does, it's not ready to put in the work and do what it is to okay. uh, to excel in that space. We'll, we'll, we'll go over the main points, but my last question um, has to do with the process of finding oneself, the process of learning, flourishing. All of A lot of people say, oh, I'm working against time and I don't have all the time and I need to work quickly. What will you say to that? Should people be hastened or they should go along and enjoy the journey of finding themselves, finding their skills and interests, and eventually hoping that things will come together for that big step in, in their careers? So I have done both. I took um, my first role. When I, my first role, it was somebody who I knew in, in the uni who said, everything they describe about what they, what they want the person to do is what I see in you. And so I think you should interview for this. So I took that first role not knowing whether I was going to do well okay. or what my strengths were back then. Okay. I just knew at that stage in my life that teaching was it for me. And I was actually in going through my second degree to become a lecturer back okay. then. So I took the role. But my personal values forced me to do to give my all. Or I'm that that's how I that's how I'm fashioned. Okay. So I went into that space and I needed to know what it was that I would do to to excel. Okay. Back then, the internet was not as we have it in our palms right now. So I would go to internet cafes. I would learn. But I would ask questions as well of the people in the role. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started. In my next role, however, I encountered a book. Um, I think it's Career Distinction, Standout. By, it's by William Arruda. Okay. And after reading that book, a lot of things changed for me. I began to put things in perspective. But I, that part, the first job was also a part of the journey. Okay. I found that some of the things in the book... I had already lived them. So I began to put it together. Okay. So I guess my answer to that question is, it's, it's, it's great if you start, 
by actually finding that strength because now there's a lot of information mm, out there mm, to mm, help mm. you do that okay. but if if you've already started and you've not given a thought really nothing stops you from stopping yourself and saying okay what is it that i do well okay. and i enjoy and what am i looking for in my next role i also have to say that it probably would not be one thing so for instance i say of myself if the role has a sales element service element and people development element it doesn't matter what you call the rule i can handle it, can handle but it okay. i've learned i've learned that those three stand out for me in any rule over mm. the period okay. does it mean that if i take out up a rule there are aspects of that rule that i may not enjoy yes and it means then that in building my team i'll be looking for those who complement those okay. areas okay. that i don't i'm not so great at or i don't enjoy i mean it's, it's been fantastic but let's just go over the main points on our journey so point one like you said was flourish where you are planted sure. okay flourish where you are planted no very your skills. critical very critical Two, take time to do the work yes so you need to take time to examine yourself and then you come to a and place of knowledge and ask people. for feedback okay and then three share your interest yes. share your interest tell people what you like and what you can do yes. and and from what you said can we conclude that that could hold the key to the breakthrough you've probably been looking for it's absolutely important if people don't know that and in, uh, if i'm not sure if you if you never said it i probably will not even cite an opportunity and say you know you can do this uh, maybe you should give it a go so share your interest have an tr have a transition plan Okay. But it's important that you flourish where you're planted. Doreen, it's been fantastic talking to you. Nathan, it's been absolutely beautiful <laughs> being here. <laughs> so I've been speaking to Doreen Baffo. She's a John Maxwell certified trainer, speaker and coach. It's been uplifting. It's been great. So this is part of the Effective Living series. Doreen, thank you very much once again. Nathan. <laughs> have, have a great day. Thank you. Have a good one too.